and welcome to episode 388 of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I am on a mission to grow as much food as I can in my allotment and garden. Now coming up today, I've got a couple of questions. One about a pond on an allotment, one about growing chilies without grow lights, and then I'm going to be discussing how I go about growing potatoes. But before that, as always, we have the diary with what I've been up to over this last week. It is Wednesday the 10th of March 2021 today. I'm in my podding shed today and I've had a bit of a a productive afternoon. I finished work quite early so I came home, had a cup of coffee, then trundled out to my shed and well I got a bit carried away to be honest. I came here initially to pot on some seeds and I decided to pot on some of my chili plants. I've got a variety called Anaheim so I'll put those into individual root trainers so they each have their own bit of space and where hopefully they will continue to produce. They'll stay in this potting shed under grow lights for the time being but um, eventually they'll in a few weeks time they'll go out to the greenhouse once I feel it's warm enough out there. I have actually moved a tray of my tomatoes out to the greenhouse just to see how they get on. I've got lots and lots of tomatoes. This is a variety called Princip Borghouse or something. I probably pronounced that completely wrong. I've got lots and lots of them. These are going to be my indoor tomatoes. But what I noticed yesterday, though, some of them were looking a bit sad. So I, I got myself a water sprayer from Wilkinson's, only a couple of quid. And I just sprayed the water, the top of these with water. What I found, the root trainers are trying to suck up water from underneath. And that works quite well. But because these tomatoes don't have a huge amount of roots, I think they were struggling to get some water. So I just sprayed the top. And that, yesterday, seems to have worked out quite nicely for them. Now, then, uh, what else have I done today? I've sown some seed. I've sown some Swiss chard, a mixed variety. It is going to be red and yellows because I quite like the idea of a bit of colour on the plots. I'm probably going to go at home, but they might go down the allotment as well. And I've also sown some tomatoes, a variety called Crimson Bush, which is a the light resistant variety that I tend to grow outdoors. I know I've just said I've got way too many tomatoes, but I'm hoping that these are are going to um, grow outside. Blight is a big problem, which is why I always sow these. Added to that, what I've also done today is I've potted up some strawberry plants. Now, yesterday I went to a garden centre and I brought three trays of strawberry plants for £10. And I I wanted some strawberries. Initially, I was only going to get three, but I I got persuaded by the deal. But what I wanted to do was get some new strawberries and I wanted to keep them in the greenhouse to get an early start on my strawberries. I've got strawberries on the allotment and I've got an entire bed dedicated to strawberries but the cooch grass has taken over and I used to underplant some of my trees with the strawberries as well as a way of reducing the weeds unfortunately the cooch grass just seems to to beat it so I decided I wanted some new strawberries some good strawberries and I brought two varieties called Symphony and Hunoi I don't know if I'm pronouncing those right I just potted those into bigger pots they're still in the greenhouse for now I've got nine plants I'm going to have a couple in the greenhouse at home, a couple in the greenhouse on the allotment, and the rest will go outside in various places. Again, it's just because I do like strawberries. I want some a bit earlier, but I also want to make sure we can get some better, bigger, 
nicer strawberry plants going when I build a new bed on the allotment. Right, so that's what I've been up to today, a little midweek update. Now the evenings are getting lighter, I think there's going to be more and more of these midweek updates. It's Sunday the 14th of March 2021. Now normally I would have an update on Saturday, but to be honest, Saturday was just far, far too windy. It started Friday night really, and it was just too windy to do anything outside. So I decided to sort of take the day off. I popped down to the allotment just to check on everything in the afternoon. Luckily, we had no damage either down the allotment or at home. So we were quite lucky in that regard. The only thing we did notice was that there was a, a water butt that blown over down on the allotment, which was quickly picked up. And back at home, I noticed that the felt on one of the quail cages had lifted and it showed that the, the roof was getting a bit rotten. Now that brings me quite nicely into what I've been doing today because the quail cage that the roof had started to go rotten was on its last legs anyway. It was one of my first ones that I built. Last year I got a rabbit hutch which I want to use or did use for keeping the quails in. So it was empty at the moment so I gave it a good clean out and just inspected it and I noticed that the floor was actually coming away. So I, I used some old decking board to remake a new floor gave it all a good lick of paint and let it dry. Now while it was drying I built my new bed. You may recall last week that I mentioned that I brought some more C16 wood in order to build a new bed. Now I, I quite like this C16 wood because it's a couple of inches thick. It's pretty damn thick stuff. It's solid and in theory it should last quite a while. And that goes that I'm not even treating the wood. It should last quite a while without treatment because it is so thick. I know some people will say I should treat the wood or put plastic up against the wood. I just prefer natural wood. No chance of chemicals getting into my soil or anything like that. So I'm quite happy. It will rot away. It will rot away. No, no doubt about that. But I can easily replace that in the future. Now this bed is 2.4 metres by 1.6 metres and this bed is roughly where the chickens were originally and it's going to be used for my Christmas dinner bed where I'll be growing our Christmas dinner in throughout this year. What I've noticed over the last couple of years is that going down the allotment for our Christmas dinner has led to a couple of problems which nearly meant we didn't get the veg for our Christmas dinner. So I've decided this year I'm going to dedicate an entire bed to the Christmas dinner and grow it at home so I can keep a close eye on it and, and maintain it better and not have to travel so far or risk not being able to have any potatoes or leeks or anything for our Christmas dinner because they're going to be right outside our back door. So I'm quite happy that is now built. I've screwed it all together. It's nice and sturdy. I've added a bit of compost as, just as a bit of a mulch. And as you'll hear later on, I'll be planting out my potatoes, which I'll be discussing on the main podcast in just a moment. 
So once I had built, the paint had dried on the, the rabbit hutch and I moved some quail into there. I've got two male quails and three female quail. At the moment, the, the females are in one hutch and the male quails are in the other. I'm going to start getting them all to go together in, or splitting the males up to go with some of the females and vice versa. It should help encourage them to start laying because they haven't laid any eggs yet and I'm... I'm kind of missing out on having quail eggs, especially in scotch eggs. I do like our quail eggs. So yes, that is what I've been up to today. And I'm going to say you'll hear what I'm doing on Monday in the main podcast when I'm planting out the potatoes. So I'm going to wrap up the diary section for this week. We're going to run one of my little commercials. And then we've got a couple of questions that have came in that need answering. A few months ago, I launched the VegGrow Podcast Supporters Club. Each month, I send out a gift pack of a collection of seeds to sow each month along with a newsletter. I also produce behind-the-scenes podcasts or videos providing club members with extra content. And we are constantly adding extra features to improve the club. It costs just £5 a month and current members tell me that they have found that the seeds alone are value for money. This also helps me keep the podcast and the website running and more importantly, it helps me encourage and inspire more people to grow their own food. Now, if that sounds like something you are interested in joining, then head over to the vegroundpodcast.co.uk to find out more. But if you want to support the podcast without becoming a member, we also have merchandise available on the website, including mugs and t-shirts. Or leave a review on your podcast service or share this podcast with others. It all goes a long way to help supporting the VegGround podcast. Richard I've just started setting up my allotment and I've put a pond in can you recommend any good plants to sort of plant around the pond that's good for the wildlife thank you bye I love this question I absolutely love attracting wildlife and I'm all for it so I'm just in the potting shed at the moment I'm going to prick out some tomatoes while I answer this question now I've got to admit one of my annoyances with my allotment is that we're not allowed ponds down there on my old allotment we did actually install a pond we we uh we submerged an old bathtub into the ground and filled that up with water and a lot of plants. And that became a great haven for wildlife. We would see dragonflies and uh, water boatmen, you name it. We found them around this pond. It was fantastic. I think in at home, I'm going to be potting in a pond in a little wildlife area that I'm building uh, at, at hopefully within the next few weeks wife doesn't know about this yet so i might get told off when she finds out because she's not a, a lover of water but because she's not a lover of water what she doesn't want is waterfalls or flowing water which is why i'm going to be relying a lot on oxygenating plants within now for oxygenating plants there's two that i am looking at pondweed and spike water milfoil 
Now these will go in the pond. They'll they'll sit underneath the water line, and they will just taking carbon dioxide and putting oxygen into that water, which will benefit any wildlife coming into that. And of course, floating on top, we could have things like lilies and pondweed, which all go down very very popular on nature and wildlife. We've all seen the image of a a frog sat on a lily pad, haven't we? Now for marginal plants, now these are plants that we find nearer the edges, still in the water, but nearer the edges in shallower water. Something like flowering rush, marsh marigold and arrowhead will do very, very well here. And then on the firmer ground, on the solid ground, but still around the edge, what we really want is some large plants that will give wildlife cover while they come in and sneak in to get a drink from the water and and somewhere to hide from predators. So I'm looking at something like Brocklime Water Spillwell, Common Cotton Grass, Greater Pond Sedge and Meadow Sweet. And these are just to name a few. Now, don't worry if you haven't been able to take notes of this. I will leave these suggestions on the website at thevegrowerpodcast.co.uk under this podcast. I've also got a few links that I have found or from other websites that might be of use to you to help find more plants and, and work this question out. If you've got a question you want to leave a voicemail, please do visit the vegrowerpodcast.co.uk and leave a voicemail. But if you don't want to leave a question through that route, you can reach out any other way, which includes my next question that came from our Facebook page. Now, this question was asking how we can grow chilies from seeds without grow lights, because... Well, I quite often talk about growing chilies and I do find chilies like a really long growing season. But I do have grow lights and I'm a big lover of them for getting myself started early. But I am lucky. I am very, very lucky to have grow lights. So what if you don't have them? Well, what I would say is chilies do like a long growing season. So you really want to start these quite soon. March, April time is when we can sow them What I would also say, at the moment, plug plants are appearing in garden centres. So if you don't want to sow any from seed, you might want to take a trip to a garden centre and they will already be growing off for you. They will not be ready to go outside. We won't be planting anything outside until mid-May. So you're going to want to keep them somewhere fairly warm, indoors or even in a greenhouse. Mine are currently inside my greenhouse, which isn't heated, and that seems to be doing pretty well for them but we did suffer a couple of losses when I did move them out from inside the shed so just just be a bit careful if you are doing that but like I said if you want to grow them from seed we want to sow them either this month or next month and we want to sow them at a temperature of 21 to 25 degrees C now Again, I've got heated propagators, which helps me do that. And not everybody has that. But what you can do is pop them in a airing cupboard. That will help keep them warm and get them off to a good start. Now, what we want to do when we sow these seeds, I would use seed sowing compost, but any fine compost, scatter them over the surface and just cover them over with a fine layer of compost. Place a clear polythene bag over the outside and tie it round in order to keep the compost moist. It will help. It will help. And then place them in your airing cupboard or in your heated propagator until they germinate. Once they germinate, they are then going to need plenty of light and plenty of warmth. 
Again, keeping them around this 21 to 25 degrees C. And overnight, we don't want them going any lower than 12 degrees C. So you probably do want to keep them indoors on a well-lit windowsill. If you can keep them in a heated propagator, great. Pop the heated propagator on a windowsill and that will help keep them warm. If you haven't got a heated propagator, then just make sure you keep them warm over a radiator but most importantly is they need a lot of light. Now, as these plants grow, I like to prick them out as soon as I see the true leaves. Now, what I mean by that is as soon as the seeds germinate, with the first two leaves that we see, and they generally, I feel, look like the outside of the seed. They are what we call the seed leaves. They are there just to get the, the, the plant, the young plant started before it pots on the next true leaves now when these true leaves show i prick them out into small individual pots i'm using my root trainers at the moment which are pretty small but they are fairly deep and it gives them plenty of room to grow and expand their root system but as they grow bigger and bigger i will pot them up into bigger and bigger pots depending as and when i need and what i like to do is just have a look underneath and if i can see the roots coming through the bottom of the pot or bottom of the root trainer that's when they need potting up. Now, like I say, we don't want to be planting these outside till mid-May. If we're planting them in a greenhouse, then we can do it a bit earlier. Like I say, mine are out in the greenhouse now already, but even April will be fine for it in a greenhouse. But outside mid-May. And by that point, we want them about 15 centimetres high. And that should mean they are big enough to handle the worst of the weather but when we get them outside what we want to do is harden them off we've got to remember to harden them off and get them used to being outside once they are planted in their final positions what i will then say is that we need to treat them mean what i mean by that is that chilies actually respond better to letting the soil dry out between watering so you don't need to water them every day do keep an eye on the soil because you don't want it to dry out too much but just enough that the soil looks dry and then add some more water i hope that helps you as well that i think that was another really interesting question and it's something that i know i'm sometimes negligent of that i do forget that we all have or we don't have grow lights but i am very lucky to have grow lights and it really does help Right, I'm going to go and plant some potatoes in the new Christmas bed. And if you want to join me out there, we're going to be chatting about how I go about growing potatoes. So here I am at the Christmas dinner bed that I built over the weekend. Now, for me, one part of the Christmas dinner that is incredibly important is the potatoes. We're going to plant some potatoes today. Now I know I can fit six potatoes in here and I've gone for two varieties, Sipomyra, King Edward, both of which are main crop varieties and both of which are pretty suitable for roast potatoes. Potatoes are incredibly, incredibly easy to grow, very, very easy to grow. And I think that's the main reason that they are considered a staple here in the UK. They're something that pretty much every allotment holder will grow. Now, there are 600 different varieties of potatoes. It's way, way too many to list and way, way too many to even try and figure out which are best. But what I've done over the years is that because each different potato have different properties, I've experimented and I've found several breeds that work 
best for me. They grow best in my conditions. They give me exactly what I want. I'm not going to list those here on the podcast, but if you want to find out what they are, I'll leave them in the show notes. But to break down, there are three different types of potatoes, or three main types of potatoes, if you like. We've got the first earlies, otherwise known as new potatoes. Now, these are the quickest to crop, generally ready June to July time. We've got second early, which are generally ready to crop in July, August. Again, they are new potatoes. And both of these types of potatoes do not store well. They are best eaten as soon as they are harvested. Then the third variety is the main crops. Now these are usually in the ground for the longest amount of time and we usually harvest these between August to October. However, I tend to leave all my main crop potatoes in the ground until I need them. I am very, very lucky that we don't really get a frozen soil over the winter where we can't dig them out. There is a risk doing it the way I do it that we have more slug damage but it doesn't seem to be too difficult for me to to cope. What we do to prepare the bed is we want to remove all the weeds which I've already done and we want to add plenty of compost or organic matter which I've covered over in a good layer of compost. Now the potatoes, there is a lot of debate whether we should chit our potatoes or not. Now chitting is where we would put potatoes somewhere light and cool so they just start to produce a shoot. I'm sure we've all left potatoes in a a cupboard or somewhere and they've grown some long spindly shoots. Now that is the plant effectively trying to grow. But there is a lot of debate whether it's worth chitting potatoes. I tend to do it purely for the very reason that I've got the potatoes anywhere. If I store them somewhere dark, they're going to chit and grow long and spindly. If I store them somewhere cool and dry and light, they're going to chit anyway. But the chits are going to be a lot smaller and therefore a lot manageable and less likely to cause the damage. But it's not necessary, and if you think about it, farmers who grow potatoes and do not chit their potatoes. I generally start my potatoes as soon as I buy them, just get them out of the packet into a tray, and that's where they will start to chit. But like I say, time and time again, they are not necessary. There's a lot of debate whether it's worth doing. Now, traditionally, potatoes would be sown on Easter Sunday, but what I've found is that Easter Sunday can move around by as much as six weeks it could be early March or late April and for me I find if it's at the end of April it's a bit too late to really get our first earlies in it's fine if you're doing main crops and in fact you can actually sow all our potatoes right up until the middle of May but what I found is a much more reliable date to try and sow my potatoes from is St Patrick's Day March the 17th which is Wednesday Now, I say around that area, which is why I'm just doing these ones today. So it gives me plenty of time. And at the weekend, I will go down the allotment and plant all my potatoes. It's going to be a hard, long day doing that, but I don't mind it. Now, when it comes to planting, what I like to do is just dig a small hole about the size of the potato, or big enough for the potato to fit in. I'll sprinkle in some mycorrhizal fungi now mycorrhizal fungi will just help the roots and creates like a a network in the soil it really does help and produce better but it's not necessary if you haven't got any don't panic they do sell them in garden centers but if you haven't got any mycorrhizal fungi it's not a essential part quite simply then just drop the seed potato in and then backfill it with the soil and then give 
the potatoes a good watering in. Potatoes are incredibly hungry and incredibly thirsty, so they will need a lot of watering and a lot of feeding. Now I try and plant my potatoes about 30 centimetres apart in every direction. Uh, they do prefer full sun, but they will tolerate most conditions, to be fair. I've seen them growing in some pretty shady areas without too much problem, but they do do best in full sun. Now during the wartime when we were rationing, growers would actually cut a sea potato into three slices in order to try and get more plants from one potato. I've never done this, never done this. I just find one sea potato straight in the ground is plenty and we will get plenty of potatoes from that as it grows. Now as the plants grow, once they reach about 20 centimetres, we will earth them up. Now I simply just cover over with a load of compost and make a mound. And this works at one, stopping any potatoes going green that are grown in the soil because it excludes any sunlight hitting the potatoes and causing potatoes to go green. But also it conserves the moisture and it reduces weeds. And we can repeat this two or three times depending on how you feel. But what I'm going to do this year is I'm going to be using lawn clippings. Now, mostly down on the allotment, at home, on this Christmas dinner bed, I'm going to be covering them with compost. Purely because I can do that a bit easier here on the allotment when we're going to have a, a lot of compost needed and then I won't be able to produce that much. So I'm going to try lawn clippings, which I've read has had some really good results. We'll find out as we go on throughout this year if it works. Now, if you haven't got compost, what you could do is just draw over some soil from the sides. Just using a hoe or a rake and just mound up over the plants some of the compost from around the sides or the soil from around the sides. It works just as well. If you live near a sea, like I do, is to mulch the potato beds with seaweed. Potatoes absolutely love seaweed. They seem to grow so much better. In fact, Jersey and the Jersey Royal potatoes, the farmers there will actually mulch their beds with seaweed every year because it is so good for potatoes. I live quite close to the sea, so I will go down and get a bucket full of seaweed, give it a good wash to get rid of any salt, and then lay that over my potato beds as we go on as an extra mulch and it will rot down and add some more nutrients into the soil. Other than that, the only other fertiliser I use is a potato fertiliser, specifically designed for potatoes. I find that this has given me pretty good results over the years and it seems to work really, really well. And I don't know what's in it, in all honesty, but it is such a good. And they're available for most garden centres, and I've got no particular favourite manufacturer at the moment. They all just seem as good as each other. Now, for years, I never grew any potatoes in beds. I used to grow them solely in pots. And it's pretty much the same way as growing in the soil as we would do with pots. Start them off with some soil in the bottom, add the potatoes and then slowly add more and more compost. Now, I used to do this in pots because I found it much easier to harvest and much easier to make sure I didn't get any volunteer potato crops or weeds from last year crop, if you like. However, I'm not doing it anymore. A few years ago, I decided to start growing them in the soil. Now, that's not to say that pots don't work and I won't be using pots. If I have any left over, I will probably have some growing in pots as well. And in fact, back in January, I started some home guard potatoes in pots in my greenhouse. 
Like I say, all we've got to worry about is keeping potatoes well watered and well fed. They are hungry and they are thirsty. And on a whole, they don't give many problems. The Probably the biggest problem that we face is blight. Now, this is the same blight that affects our tomato crops as well. What I found as a way of combating this is that I grow a variety called Sarpomyra, which are blight resistant. Now, there's quite a few blight resistant potatoes out there, and they all generally start with the Sarpo name. But Sarpomyra is one that I've tried for many years, and it's it's never let me down. I harvested my last Sarpomyra potatoes just last week, so, there's, so they're pretty hardy. Slugs can also be a problem but there's not much you can do about that unless you want to add slug pellets or nematodes to try and keep the slug population down in the soil. And scab, I found that I get scab a lot on potatoes if we have too much horse manure or cow manure in the ground when we plant the potatoes. It's fine if it's really, really well rotted, but I do find it is worse if it's a thick layer of manure, which is why I, I, I tend to use compost more nowadays. Now, when it comes to harvesting, I like to harvest my first early and my second earlies as and when required. For the first earlies, what I usually do is wait until flowers are seen on the plants. Then I'll have a rummage in the soil and just see if I can feel any potatoes. We're looking for them about the size of uh, an egg. Harvest those. Uh, as many as I need and then carry on. When it comes to the second earlies I wait until the flowers have gone. The plants are still there but the flowers have died. Now the main crops, what I do with those is wait until the plants completely die back and then I'll give it a couple of weeks and then I'll just lift all the potatoes and leave them to dry in the sun for a couple of weeks again. Now this is so that they can be stored successfully. Potatoes can actually stored be for quite a while in the right conditions. If we store them somewhere cool, dry and incredibly dark, we can keep them going until we need them next year, if they are stored correctly. Well, I hope that's been useful to you in how to grow potatoes. If anybody does anything different or have any tips or anything, please do get in touch and let me know. And that is it for this week's podcast. So thank you so much again for joining me on the podcast. Now, if you want to get in touch, you can email me, richard at vegrowerpodcast.co.uk. You can visit the website at vegrowerpodcast.co.uk, leave a voicemail or leave a comment on a blog post, or you can find me on social media, just search for the VegGrower podcast well thank you so much for joining me again we'll be back again next time so until then please take care